Hello. Welcome to Solomon's Temple. We've reached episode 111, so I decided to make it a special one. A special one in that I'm focusing on the number one. The number one being the self, or just you and myself, isolated as, as it is. In reality, there's just the self. Within this podcast episode, I'm trying to get down to what it is to be a current self and a future self and a past self. So those are three selves. That's one, one, and one together. Also, I bridge the idea of finitude and limitation or the definitions in which we have to uphold currently or the kind of self-definitions that we have, which make up sort of individuality as we see it. And then there's, of course, uh, the idea of Trinity being like a son or a daughter and the father or the mother, and then some transcendental element like the Holy Spirit or forces our higher self into play, lower self, higher self, and uh, you know, the enlightened point of view, the God self or, or whatever. So this is how it relates. This is how I'm going to express it. And we're sort of going to go through just what it is to have um, a presence of self versus a lack of presence of self, to go in the idea of what a self is, and then how it's supposed to make us respond to our own uh, self-delusions or, or self-empowerment. So without further ado, we'll, we'll just get into this. In all modern cultures, or at least most, as far as I could tell, there has always been a recurring memory of what the human story is. Every culture has a human narrative or a religious point of view. Without being a limited part of being there, we would have no self story. We would have no life story. So if we can't view ourselves as being limited creatures, without being the least bit vulnerable, we will have no story. There'll be no contrast and there'll be no essential um, mark of tragedy and and a happy ending. There won't be, uh, you know, things that are beneficial and not so much, and the contrast between, you know, the two poles that are set out, you know. You know, there's those that laugh and those that cry, and that's just kind of a way of being. So in order to sense your passage through the story or through your life or what you tell yourself about what's going on, it must stand out singularly to a relationship that you have to yourself and a relationship that you have to other selves how they're supposed to relate back to you and how the feedback is supposed to occur. Forgetting still that we are actually the entire story because we can comprehend everything that's going on, just not in real time as it unfolds. And you cannot be a character within it, though you do exist as a character within your own story. And we are all inevitably some type of character that's being portrayed or that we are acting. Shakespeare would say all the world's a stage and we are merely players. Character is a part within the cosmic act. You would need to be blind to know how you see yourself. Otherwise, no story can unfold. So if you're able to see everything, you'd be blind to your own character because you wouldn't have character. You would have been uh, self-transcendent to the point where you don't isolate anywhere. You're not an individual. You're no longer a self, this one thing, the one. Now, as a storyteller, you must first know that you are both a character and the entire story. So stories belong to more classically the elder or to the father or the mother. And this is a sort of dynamic uh, for truths and stories uh, to be told all throughout the ages. And I believe it is more of a, a function of, of a wise person, a person to author, to have authority over, or typically the elder or the storyteller to enculturate children. And this is how we get our knowledge and, and our uh, fundamental basis of self is from wise people telling stories. And this forms sort of the cultural basis and belief in the self. The self must encounter itself time and again and it must uh, sort of 
become self-aware in its community and among itself where they sit and, and how they are supposed to view themselves in time. And through the enaction of wisdom tales, uh, people begin to understand the story a lot better and to understand where they are within it. And, and with this um, sort of knowledge creates a sort of cultural narration that goes on or a collective archetype or psyche. We read to sons and daughters, and so they receive these ideas about who they are and to build self-knowledge. And this self-knowledge should be built up and maximized by the age of 33. In my opinion, three being 111, three being the son, father, and the highest authority or spiritual wisdom. 33 is the age that Jesus was crucified. And thus the ultimate stories that have been told and given to humankind to direct the self and human knowing have been represented by this number. I believe 33 to be the prime number for people to be in their prime. It's been told 32, but let, let's just say it's 33 peak prime age is to the point where you have um, accumulated uh, to the point where you know who you are. And then from there, it's to sort of unfold um, human consciousness and just be, be who you truly are. And hopefully you're at a level of authenticity where you don't have to go through too much trouble and, and you can start unfolding your path and reaching your destiny. And by the time you reach that destiny, hopefully you retire and you start telling stories. So that's kind of how I see the unfoldment of generation. Uh, I, I do believe that uh, teachers and storytellers should be more like once you're at about 55 age and onward, 55 being a number of being able to go without resistance and you can corrupt the youth if you want <laughs> with no state interference. You just do your own thing. You, you, you are able at that point to express your own spiritual wisdom however you want to. And if you're still unwise by that age, you still have a right because you, you've been through it. So you get a free ticket. 33 is prime age. 55 is the age of retirement where you start telling stories and corrupting the youth. So we have a hyper self-consciousness that has been given to humans and the ability to interconnect and become increasingly able to transcend over limitations, thus allowing for characters to understand that they are in a story and that this is ages old. And the conclusion is to realize that we will return to infinity after experiencing a finitude. Some people think that we're just in hell, you know, climbing into a transcendental place, almost like this is a passage. And that's funny that that turns out to be a relatively common attitude. Now it's through this undertaking of our limitations in order to reach the knowledge of the true story. Humanity in a sense will return to heaven, just like the religious think an unspeakable and unknowable, or as it's defined, mysterious infinity that we cannot know if it's a mystery and it's unspeakable. We don't, we're unable to talk about it. And whether upon death or through a greater uncovering of character, will life give transcending limitation the feeling of knowing the destiny of humanity as a tendency to become infinite? Religion and science work to unfold predetermined physical law to become the unlimited by means of understanding the limitations and reaching out in order to get over those. Every step of self-understanding relates both to limitations and transcendence. Nested within the story are stories within the story about the same story altogether. Knowing honestly from good counsel is to act from true inspiration. This fact is earned through self-overcoming. Feeling closer to the original intentions will make personal paths clear and the power to overcome self-undoing possible. Whether personal or interpersonal in nature, we are connected relatively to all cosmic forces and law. Our freedom creates limitations and transcendence according to the character placement within the story of everything. The one thing can be found in 10,000 things. So in a way, accumulation 
causes confusions and not clarity. But all things relate to one thing in particular because everything is a metaphor for everything else. Acknowledgement should override regret. When we see our actions are not within the future, to ameliorate past of traumas inflicted, to move beyond relational blockages, unity is a process of bringing two into one. So is the departure of the self as a character towards the self as the story itself. Would it be remembering that who we are? Would it be more of a blessing or less? Would remembering everything be better or worse? It seems like self-knowledge is done through remembering what we already know. And how much of a dream can it be if we, if we look back at, at the past and think of it as being clouded in delusions? Seems like abstraction and subjectivity or our ability to expand and imagine and seek into layers of meaning will be more rich and full of possibility the further back you go. Would it then mean we are always just as for back in relationship to the future as it will look back upon itself? So then we are always idle in relative space and time, including historical meaning and mental understanding. There is no story if we are omniscient. Reaching forward will always be met with looking back and yet idle to being here. Importance and significance will not be existent without contrasts. You cannot discern if you remember everything. Nothing gets highlighted if you don't have a unique experience in time. Life must never become only one singular point whether knowing the story or being only one character. We always reintegrate our son-to-father relationships, our daughter-to-mother relationships, our son-to-mother relationships, our daughter-to-father relationships. Our identity is the story we tell ourselves, and we are the authors of life. We make our determination by writing into ourselves from the original author, and we do this from the standpoint of being a son and a child of being so we may discover our father in us in a cyclical and accumulating manner. Life contains infinite cycles, yet every breath is the same. Every step is a simplistic pattern. It's just one more thing among the 10,000. For one person to know themselves is to keep revisiting other people and encountering themselves time and again, thus making one stand out and never truly alone. Being outside oneself relationally makes for feeling lonely and apart, but it is only one thing in the end. So secretly, one isn't the loneliest number. It's actually one billion other people that makes one feel separate or isolated. Why it is more important now than ever to master communication is because people feel less valid and real than ever before because society is fractured, confused, and schizophrenic, literally schizophrenic, through delusions of separateness and mass hypnosis. People aren't communing together in speech, and the root of communication is commune, or coming together. People desperately seek their preconceived notions of self, which is just a tragedy disguised as omniscience and self-righteousness. We will need more truth providers to sort out the gaps, so we the people do not lose our collective minds trying to find our way home. Seen, unseen, believed, known, unknown, we get to author human destiny. So in terms of, of Nietzsche's allegories and his stories, 
I'm going to refer to the last man. We cannot refer to the last man as being the only person that's willing and able to create a collection of individuals that understands thoroughly our sense of self in life and that we believe and we see life in similar terms and at least that we are able to understand what collectively we're under, what kind of story is being presented. Come to terms with this because with differences we know is what is allows us to actually have a story take place. But to come to grips with why it's actually happening needs to, to happen and it can't be these last men that go up upon the mountain because they're tired of it all, come back with answers but no one listens to them, you know? Or some people believe them to be one thing and other people really discredit them and believe them to be another. And to just create more interactive third person perspectives that derail um, the identification of what counts as truth, what does not, what is real, what is not. And, and so we don't get off track. We need to eliminate the insistence on a last man coming back and giving you enlightened perspectives. And we've all got to essentially, you know, get together on this and, and, and not fumble the ball on what it is to just come and identify something as it is or to see it as it is in all the 10,000 things to be able to understand singularly what they are and to have the stories of life go on but yet to understand that we're we're a part all a part of this story and that we're all a character within it and that maybe then we would all feel like we are perfectly respected and we perfectly belong in a disjointed and discordant and unperfect world and if we will stumble, stumble blindly into the future, may it be that we are blinded by the light that shines and that maybe we will be an exalted form of ourselves and that our character development will only become more loving, more agreeable, more self-empowered, more relatable, and that we can use our senses of identity and what we're authoring into being in the best ima imaginable place and that we know beyond a shadow of a doubt who we are and that we collectively tell the most optimal story that human existence has ever known. And I appreciate your time and I hope these words were, were good words for you to hear and I hope you stay tuned for future parts of me that are going to shine through. Well, have a nice day and I'll see you next time.